Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me in the studio today is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today two attorneys to discuss an evolving topic that continues growing in importance, defined by some attorneys as both timely and intimidating. The topic for today's discussion is e-discovery. Discussing this and the impact on insurers are Dan Martinez from the firm of Callahan and Martinez in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Kevin Fry from the firm of Anderson, Crowley & Burke in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Good morning, gentlemen, and thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Good morning. Dan has done extensive work in the area of insurance and has written and lectured nationally on various topics, and Kevin Fry is a member of the organization Defense Research Institute and is the membership vice chairman of their committee on e-discovery. Both continue to closely monitor e-discovery and the growing impact it will have on the defense industry. Leading off with today's first question is Brendan Noonan. Kevin, this topic is becoming very important for insurance companies to be aware of. Can you start out by defining e-discovery for us? Well, yes, Brendan, that's a very broad question, but I'll do my best. I'm going to break up my answer in two parts. First, to put e-discovery in context, we're talking about electronic discovery, and it's simply an outgrowth of the discovery rules we're already accustomed to. The outgrowth is as a result of technology and the evolution of technology. Now, the storage of data is so much more that we use storage mediums such as hard drives, servers, and discovery used to be fairly simple. All the important documents were stored in a filing cabinet or under paperweight, and times have changed. The law is slowly catching up. Think about all the digital information that is stored each day. Email, word processing files, spreadsheets, text messages, instant messages, sound files even, and some files you thought were deleted. That information is stored on your home computer, sometimes on personal digital assistants such as Blackberries, and on all the information at a place of business. So e-discovery generally refers to the process of gathering, reviewing, and producing this electronic data, which we call electronically stored information. Second, the podcast is timely because of the recently amended Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. Those went into effect on December 1st. The amended rules specifically recognize this electronically stored information may be potentially relevant in a lawsuit, and the rules place an explicit duty on the parties to litigation to preserve, search, and disclose potentially relevant and reasonably accessible electronically stored information to an opposing party. Well, Kevin, thanks very much. And Dan, I'm going to start with a question for you now. Can you explain what's happening between the federal and state courts regarding e-discovery? I can. As Kevin pointed out, the federal courts have really blazed the path with e-discovery by enacting their rules just recently. And that caused a lot of the states to take a look at what the Federal Rules Committee did. And in doing that, they will likely model their rules on the federal rules. So we can look to what the federal courts have done as a guidepost, so to speak, and what we can anticipate the states will do. In general, the states will adopt very similar rules with some relatively insignificant differences. And so we're seeing that now, for instance, in my state, as late as January of this year, we received calls for comments from the Rules Committee on e-discovery, and they announced their intention to model their rules on the federal rules. One of the reasons it becomes particularly salient is that once rules get enacted, unlike statutes and laws that most people are accustomed to, rules can be applied retroactively in a sense because, for instance, data that is being stored today will become relevant in litigation that's filed a year from now when those rules are in effect, and those rules will then control what portion of that data will have to be produced. Dan, why is this such an important issue now for insurance companies, and what impact will this have in the future? 
the e-discovery and the direction that it's taking has a very big impact on the insurance industry. And it, I'll break my answer up into three parts here. The first impact it will have and why it's so important today is that there is an enormous potential for saving on expenses. Uh, in my firm, we represent a lot of insureds by virtue of their insurance policy, of course. And with a proactive approach that the carrier can encourage, either through underwriting or through savings on premiums, there are a lot of steps that can be taken to significantly reduce the expense associated with e-discovery. They can do things such as encouraging reasonable data retention policies, encouraging searchable means of data storage, reasonable backup archives. I've had situations where clients have actually had a backup on 365 days a year, each tape containing a duplicate of what existed that day, and that leads to problems that we'll get to in a moment. They can have policies on controlling what's called metadata, which is the data that's actually stored within documents that is not visible unless you know how to get to it. And they can encourage policies to have their insured employees assume that all computer communications will eventually be read by a third party at some point, and that is going to help tremendously. The second area that I wanted to get into deals with why this is so important now is just the exposure. The actual cost of production is astronomical, and in every case that I've been involved with, caught the insurer by surprise. And let me give you some examples just from everyday experience. If there's an email that is sent to two people within a company with a copy to two others, that creates five emails, five duplicates. If those four recipients forward those emails to five more, now we've got 25 copies. In a situation where a client of mine had a backup tape for 365 days a year, that backup resulted in 27,274 clones of the same email. And that's just one email. When the discovery request comes in for information that is contained within this one email, somebody has to pull all of those emails, sift through them, read them, determine that they are or are not duplicates, and then produce them. And the time involved in doing that is quite daunting. And so that is why, for today, it is such an important issue that insurance companies get their arms around this thing. Uh, and there are several other ways that carriers can help to reduce the cost, some of which include going out now and finding vendors who can deal with the e-discovery issue that they trust and that they know will do it right. And so that's one of the recommendations that we're making. Well, thanks very much. And, you know, in, in talking with both of you gentlemen about this topic, one of the things that was most intriguing for me was the fact that you said how intimidating it was for attorneys. So I'm going to actually turn this over to Kevin now. Kevin, what aspects do you feel are most intimidating for attorneys? Well, this is an interesting question just because most attorneys, uh, insurance companies, for litigation purposes, will go out and hire the most experienced attorneys to deal with litigation. But the most experienced attorneys, by definition, don't have necessarily experience with technology as it's changing and evolving in our lifetimes. And so attorneys are intimidated simply because they don't understand the technology. And the rules put a very heavy burden and a very large requirement on attorneys to understand the e-discovery infrastructure, the system, the IT management system of their client so that they can explain to the court and to opposing counsel what that infrastructure is and how data can be accessed and whether or not it's reasonably accessible or not. And the rules require some in-depth knowledge about this issue, and many, many attorneys don't understand IT infrastructure well enough to understand how to advocate effectively. So I think that's the main reason attorneys are very intimidated. Dan might have some other thoughts on yeah. that. What do you feel, Dan? Yeah, I agree with that. And at the risk of offending some of my brothers in the profession, 
I don't think it's any secret that attorneys as a group in general uh, were very late to join the technology revolution. I'm still very aware of firms who, while they use computers for things like scheduling and preparing documents, that's the extent of it. Uh, They're not imaging and they're not doing things that really make production uh, a lot easier. And when you ask some of these more experienced litigators, what do they know about metadata, bit streaming, data mining, things like that, they look at you with a blank stare. And one of the things that we recommend is that these carriers recognize this trend that's coming because of the cost and expense that's involved, and also recognize that even the rules themselves, Rule 26 of the federal rules, call for a liaison to be appointed on behalf of a party to be the one person to go to for all of the e-discovery requests, disputes, and things of that nature. And that's an implicit recognition that a lot of these attorneys who are involved in this litigation do not have the knowledge required to adequately respond to some of these discovery requests. Well, I appreciate the feedback. Okay, thanks very much. Any other comments? Well, I'd just like to say on behalf of the Defense Research Institute, DRI, that we are very much on the forefront of this trend, e-discovery. And, in fact, there's a seminar that is scheduled for April 19th and 20th that the e-discovery committee of DRI is putting on. If you'd like more information about that, you can go to dri.org. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dan and Kevin, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate it. And, again, we want to thank Dan Martinez from the law firm of Callahan and Martinez in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Kevin Fry from the firm Anderson, Crowley, and Burke in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan for joining us in studio today and, of course, to our producer, Brian Cohen. Thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 